Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Well, this morning we uh, want to get right into the Bible study. We're in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. You remember we started off with this idea that we kind of turned a corner in 2 Corinthians and Paul is now kind of saying some difficult things that need to be conveyed. So he's sharing some kind of... uh, uh, more up in your grill, more kind of real pointed, more uh, direct. You know, his communication is real, real direct in this uh, uh, four chapters, chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13, as he kind of just concludes uh, this um, letter we have of, of 2 Corinthians. There are those that we, we talked about last week that maybe think this is a, a different letter or something, but for us, this is how we have it, and so we're just looking at it that way. But nonetheless, he turns this corner, and he really starts to defend right his, his uh, apostleship. He said there's some of those as we get into it. We will talk about it later, but he kind of kind of there's people that are undermining you know who he is or his call or or what he's supposed to be doing there's those that are kind of undermining that and it's interesting to me that he starts out with these six verses in uh, chapter 10 these first six verses and then he talks about all these other issues you know and these problems and and he's very direct about those things but first He says, this issue, and this is so important for us. If we can grasp this, this might really help your walk a lot with the Lord. Because those problems that you and I face, those battles that we face, we talked about it last week, we're saved. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're following the Lord, you're saved. Your salvation's not what's in question. You're saved. You're saved by God's grace and his mercy. It's a finished work. It's done once and for all. But isn't it true, we we get engaged in these battles, there's still struggles. We live in these tents. We have failures. We don't always say and do or think the right things. There's things that go awry for us, right? It happens to us. But we're saved. We have this victory in the Lord. I was kind of thinking through this and kind of trying to think through illustrations on this and we were traveling a, a few years ago, and we, were, we went over into Okinawa to do some ministry over in Okinawa. And one of the guys took us around and kind of gave us some history lesson from World War II. Uh, so the ships kind of entered in on this one part of the island, and it was a fairly populated area. And the, the battleships, the Allied forces came, and they started bombarding this city. Now, all around the city were these things called pillboxes, and there were these big, not big, they were smaller, pillbox, of course, smaller. Um, They were these little bunkers that were super thick concrete, reinforced steel concrete uh, bunkers that are built into the, the jungle hillside. Now, the battle for the Allied forces was basically won from the shelling, I mean, it actually changed the contour of the island of Okinawa, this is no joke changed the whole contour of the island. It never looked the same after the shelling that went on. The battle on that island, or the war in that sense for them, had had, had concluded. But they had to go back in 
to these areas. They invade then, and they have to go up, and they have to get into all these pillboxes, these, these areas where the, there's a, basically a stronghold, and they have to get that, they'd either blow it up, or they'd you know, deal with it however they dealt with it, but they had to eliminate that stronghold because it was still a threat to some of the guys that were uh, in the invasion, right? So they had to go back up and invade and eliminate the stronghold. This is kind of what we're talking about. We're saved, that's done, but there's still areas in our lives, aren't there, where there can be areas of stronghold. The battle, the victory is ours in the Lord, but we still have. So salvation is ours. We're forgiven of our sin, but there's still warfare, right? We're still engaged in warfare. And this is where the warfare comes in. This is why Paul here said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh in verse three of chapter 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds. For the pulling down of strongholds, I do like the King James, casting down arguments, or it was really that used the word imaginations, I like that because we'll talk about why that kind of is very fitting. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity and obedience of Christ. One of the things that we want to do is we want to flip back over to Ephesians now for just a moment and kind of look at this from the the warfare aspect. Now, Paul... You can go find Ephesians chapter 6. We'll pick it up in, you know, verse uh, maybe uh, 12. As you're locating that, I want to say a couple things about those four chapters. Paul knows that there's this battle that goes on. And during this, this battle that goes on, there's these skirmishes, there's these strongholds, there's these issues. And he's saying that those things are issues that really have a spiritual effect in our lives. There's things going on in your life, things going on in my life, things going on in brothers and sisters' lives around us that are spiritual matters. Oftentimes, we try and approach a matter strictly from the practical side of it. We just try and approach it from just the the practical, hey, I've just got to deal with this, and we just go from a very practical thing, basically, which would be considered kind of from a flesh standpoint. And Paul's saying, no, those things are, are attacks that need to be dealt with also in the realm of the Spirit. So those issues that he was facing, he says, Though he goes on and lists those and ex- expresses, hey, I'm, I'm going to come and I'm going to deal with those matters. You know, people said, hey, he's, he doesn't even speak good. He's, he's kind of a, you know, not, he's just a little guy. He doesn't have much stature. He's not very eloquent in his speech. Or they, they were kind of dissing on him. And he says, hey, that's all good and fine. But I'm going to deal with this in a spiritual matter. That, that's basically what he's saying. This is really a spiritual deal. And that's what I want to take care of. These other things are just the outcropping of the flesh. And he says, you know, you, you're, you're thinking I'm going to deal with this in the realm of the flesh. He says, no, no chance. I'm going to deal with this in the realm of the spirit. That's a good example. That's a good thing for us to think about. Your issue, your marriage problem is not you and your spouse. That's part of it, sure. But that's not really the issue. It's get right with God. 
Get on your knees together and seek the Lord and ask God to help you to see each other in the light of the grace and the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that's the issue. We can find all these other things to hang it on. Well, I, they just leave their toothbrush in the wrong place, and it just freaks me out every day. And, you know, my gosh, I hope we've got bigger things to worry about than our toothbrushes, really. But we get hung up on the weirdest things. Well, I don't think that's really the issue. Yours or my or anybody else's OCD-ness about that kind of stuff is not really the issue. The issue is where are we at in a love relationship with the Lord and are we treating one another in that way? That's really the, the deal. We're clear, we're saved, we know that. We know that there's still this battle that goes on. In verse 12 of Ephesians chapter six, Paul says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, clearly. And we talked about the personal enemy. Remember out of 1 Peter, we talked about the, the personal enemy, 5, 7, 1 Peter 5, 7, maybe 8, uh, verse 8. But we talked about the personal enemy, your enemy. The devil seeks like a roaring lion, looking, seeking whom he might devour. Your enemy. It's personal to you, to me. Not distant from us, but it's personal. We not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This is, we look at these, these places, these areas in our lives, knowing that Satan is against each of us. What is the issue between us and the enemy? You know, really, when you, you got to break it down to something pretty simple. What, what's really the issue? Because it comes out in all these different battlegrounds, but what's really the crux of it? Your spirit, you're born again, you've given your life to Jesus Christ. You are locked in to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says nothing can snatch you out of the hand of the living God. You're locked in with a relationship with the Lord when you give your life to Jesus Christ. What's he after? What, what's the deal? Is that he knows you're locked in. And there's nothing he can do about that because you're protected in the Lord. There's nothing he can do about that. But he can sure attack and distract you and also try to thwart you from being effective in any way in communicating this same salvation that you've received. He will trip you up. He will stumble you. He will be ruthless and relentless to try and do anything he can to distract you, to dissuade you, to interfere with any way that you could be used by God to share this information that you and I have about who he is, to kind of cause you to appear to be uh, not trustworthy, to cause you to appear, just to, to ruin your witness. He will do anything he can and that's where the attacks come in, to try and dissuade and distract. Our souls, he's lost that, our lives. We're, we're, he's lost that. He knows that. But he wants to eliminate yours and my effectiveness. This is so important, brothers and sisters. He wants to eliminate yours and my effectiveness. And so these strongholds, so these battles, so these things creep in to try and keep us from being effective. When Paul says this battle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not against 
others. And this is what I'm saying. That's, we've got to realize who the enemy is in a situation and what's really going on. He first talks about this principality. So we want to look at, there's four things he mentions here, how the enemy kind of attacks this idea of principalities. And principalities are just what you would think they are in the sense of we have, there's principalities today in different parts of the world. They call them principalities. They're just regions or areas or geographical locations, places on the earth. You remember in Daniel's account, that was brought up that way, right? In Daniel's account, when Daniel was, the, the, the angel had come and said, hey man, I heard your prayer. I'm obviously paraphrasing. I heard your prayer, you know? I, I, you know and I was coming to get to you, but I got snarled, I got tangled up with the prince of Persia. This geographical area, this ruler there, the satanic forces got tangled up there. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12, 13, and 14. This idea of locations and that there are locations that are controlled by demonic forces. Look at the world. Look at the globe today. And as you look at the globe today, have you noticed there are certain countries that are, have a, an extreme block to any form of Christianity being spoken about or projected or anything. Think about Bethany, who, who is in Saudi Arabia. And she can't even speak, really, openly at all about Christianity, or she'll end up at Chop Chop Square down there. And, you know, seriously, though. It's very serious. You don't think there's a demonic entity that's kind of controlling that region? What do you think we struggle with so much in our part of the country? Let's just stay in our general region. Maybe not a whole country, but let's just say our general region here. Certainly we struggle with this, uh, this whole religiosity thing, you know. That, hey, you're okay. Your parents went to church your grandparents were members of that church, you know. We're, we're kind of in this religious idea that, hey, we're okay because we're religious. Religion doesn't get anybody anywhere as far as eternity goes. But it's certainly a, a powerful force, isn't it, to deceive people to think they're okay. You're okay? You're okay? You, you went to church once or twice? Christmas and Easter kind of spread out at least a few months apart, you know, in the course of a year. You went a little bit. You're okay. You're almost even kind of a religious person, you know. But this principal, this geographic or this regional locations, and they have control over these forces. Now, greater is he that is in us than he is of the world. We're just talking about the tactics. The victory is ours in Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk clearly about how that works. But we have to understand how some of this goes. I'm skipping over one. We'll get right back to it. Rulers of the darkness of this age. Rulers of the darkness of this age. Think about the cultural impact that, that there is. All the things that are, as Satan is, is working behind the scenes through a worldly mindset. Think about the mass media. Think about the internet, think about the movies, think about television, think about the corruption that comes through these things. Though they, they can be good things, think about the pollution that can get in our minds from this. Governments can be manipulated in certain ways, educational systems, certainly. Think of how now we've got all of Darwin's views are all subject, pushed into the, the system now. 
relativism, humanistic viewpoints, all pushed into the whole mindset of the educational system. It's, it's very real, and it's definitely, there is something that is uh, pushed into this that has a, a, a demonic thrust to it. That there are no absolutes. Absolutes don't really exist. So that basically then nullifies the infallibility and the inerrancy of the word of God. Because the word of God declares of itself that it is truth. God declares he's truth. You want to be found arguing with God about all this? Because that's the end result for people. But this is how it's so pushed in. And you and I are made to look like we're idiots because we believe that. That, that, that the world looks at you and I like we're just, what idiots believe that there's actually truth? Anybody could, well, if it's truth to you, that's, I guess, truth. That's the way it's purported to us. That's the way it's, you know, and so now you look foolish. Hey, you know what? I'll be the first standing in line for the foolishness for the gospel and fool for God then. That's fine. But we better stand our ground on some of this. Brothers and sisters, this is serious business. This is a cultural thing that is swept through, and our nation is thoroughly embedded in this mindset. Thoroughly. That's a whole thing in and of itself, and we cannot go any further into it right now. But there's these rulers of darkness of this age, cultural aspect to that. Now, just on the mass media thing, and we talk about this from time to time, but it's always kind of humorous to me. They say that especially through the medium of, of, of uh, television or movies or this kind of thing, that really it's just strictly an art form and it's just reflecting culture. So that it doesn't really affect culture. It doesn't really affect people, but it just merely reflects the culture. Well, that sure means that all the people that sign the check to spend millions of dollars for a 30-second spot while you're watching a ball game or something are the biggest idiots around. You think so? No, they know well and good that those things affect your mind and my mind, and they affect us as we watch them. We're deceived thinking that, gosh, if we drink certain alcoholic beverages, we're going to have the cool jet ski, we're going to have all the hot guys and gals, and we just got this awesome bunch of friends because the billboards show us that regularly. That's how you're going to be cool and, and have cool people to hang out with and all of a sudden look really good all of a sudden. You're thinner, you're buff, you know, you're just built just right, you know, whatever that means, right? I mean, that's the mind. Now, who's foolish? These guys are doing this because they know it affects us. They're not reflecting, they're trying to affect. It's just, but again, they tell us they're not, but it's not true. Let's move on. The next one was spiritual hosts of wickedness. Well, I think we could summarize that as maybe a pseudo-spiritual or this idea of pretending to be spiritual. And this idea comes from this all roads lead to God. So it's all the isms, all the things that really don't represent God in any way the true living God, but they say the God is really within you. And then all of a sudden you have the tree hugger stuff and everything else that goes on around. So I, I'm all for saving a tree. I mean, I, I'm, there's whatever, but that's not really the issue. God created that, but God is not a tree. He created it, but he is not. 
that. But that's the presupposition, you know? And again, we're made to seem like we're the fools because we're not worshiping those things or whatever. Spiritual host of wickedness, this pseudo or, you know, seeming spiritual, but not really being the true spiritual aspect of, of God. We see this all over the place in many different ways. We saw it certainly with the big wave of, remember, the New Age movement that blew kind of through. And it was just all that kind of stuff was all wrapped up in it. This next one, though, that we skipped over, let's go back to the second one, where it says, against powers. Against the principalities and against powers. This is really the same thing as strong towers or strongholds. It's the same concept, same idea there that's implied. This, personal, this is personal demonic forces that seek to seduce us, trying to keep us under the power of our fleshly lusts and desires. So our attitudes, our thought processes about things, this is where the strongholds really start to lock in in our lives. Now, the stronghold is something that is really kind of oftentimes, it's the pillbox. Remember what the pillbox was? It was a reinforced bunker, right? The battle's been won, really. They invaded, but they had to go in and flush out or level out or remove that because they were dangerous, they were the snipers in there. They, were, they had weaponry. They were waiting for people to come up and they'd try and wipe them out. So that's a stronghold. You and I still struggle. Even though we're born again, even though we've been forgiven all our sin, we're gonna struggle because we live in these tents, those strongholds. Some of those things are leftovers from our past life. Though the Lord would wipe those out, Sometimes if we allow the enemy, we allow this to creep in, it can start to rebuild or redevelop in our lives. So Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, those first six verses, that we are engaged in a warfare. The only hold that Satan had on your life and my whole life was sin. The power of sin brought death. But Jesus conquered both the power of sin and death. Well, what are we engaged? What is this that goes on then? It's those little pillboxes, those bunkers, one brick on another that get built up where the enemy would perch and try and snipe us and try and get at your life, get at my life. And we have got to continue to deal with those. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening today. And I know that some of you may have a tug on your heart that the Lord's just kind of speaking to you personally and that you'd like to give your life to Jesus or maybe like to give your life back to Jesus. Well, this is your opportunity. This is your time. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus desires to have fellowship, personal relationship with us. 
And so he stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. He loves us. He doesn't force entrance into our lives, but he wants you to open the door and invite him in. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now just to pray a simple prayer of faith. Again, it doesn't matter whether you're driving or you're sitting at home or you're out on a walk with the earbuds in, whatever it might be, but this is your opportunity to give your life and get back to Jesus or give it to Jesus that you might have everlasting life. He wants to spend all eternity with you and he wants you to have life abundant. So if you would just pray this simple prayer with me, Jesus, I want to invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. I want to ask that you would forgive me of all of my sin. And I pray, Lord, that you would just take my sin and my old life and just give me a new life in you. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. I thank you for the new life that I have in you now. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come into my life and fill me to overflowing, that I might accomplish your purpose. Lord, that your will would be done now in and through my life. I give my life to you. I thank you for the new life I have. And I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus, come.